great to have each of you here and on this summery day again, right? Just when you think summer's gone, it's kind of like, oh man, man, it was hot last night. I, I thought, what's going on here? But uh, here we are, and that's okay, because uh, while it's still August, we can still feel it like at least it's summer, and you know, then we get that Indian summer in September, and anyway, hey, that's the weather. But uh, here we are. Good to have you here. Let me ask you, do you struggle with forgiveness? That's what that video was all about, forgiveness. For the forgiven must forgive. Do you struggle with forgiveness? Oh, man, I, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I'll, I'll put both of mine up because, boy, at times it's hard, right? Uh, we just don't want to do it. We don't think we should do it and all of the reasons that... Uh, but maybe you're good right now, but has there ever been a time when you needed to forgive someone and you just couldn't get around to doing that? You, you just didn't want, you just struggled, whatever. And C.S. Lewis said, this is great. I'm sure you'll uh, identify. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Right? It's like forgiveness is great, but it's for the other person, <laughs> not me. That's how, uh, how it works. And Peter struggled with forgiveness. Yes, the Peter that we read about in, uh, in the, the New Testament, the Peter that walked the earth with Jesus, the Peter that preached that message when 3,000 people came to Christ on the first day of the church, that Peter struggled. In Matthew 18, just after Jesus had finished talking about uh, going to a brother or a sister, another believer who had sinned, when you see them sin, and, and Jesus said, go tell them about it and what you need to do. And he goes on, and, and after he was teaching about that, then, then Peter speaks up, and you can just sense the tension, the struggle he's having because he figures, well, if I go and point out the sin of another, I'm probably going to have to forgive them. And, and, and here it is. Peter says, all right, Lord, how many times? Do I have to forgive somebody who sins against me? Now, Peter's thinking, I'll, I'll get on the right side of this conversation with Jesus. And I'll, Lord, seven times? Peter thinks he's being more than gracious. Because the, the rabbis taught at that time that three was enough. On number four, you didn't have to. Because they probably didn't mean it by that far, right? But Peter's going, okay, Lord, how about... Seven. And you know you've heard the answer. Maybe you've heard that answer. And the response of Jesus was, no, Peter, not seven times, but 77 times. Probably a better translation of that. Some translations would read 70 times. That, the point really is he was saying unlimited. Ultimately, what he was meaning was you're to forgive me like I forgive. You're to forgive people like I forgive you, which is there's no number, right? That's unlimited. And so we, we know there's the struggle. Listen, when Jesus said to Peter 77 times or always unlimited, it's, it, I don't know about you, but I'm like, what? What? Really? 
Now, there's got to be a line there somewhere. Uh, because, listen, forgiveness is hard, isn't it? Forgiveness is hard. Oh, there are times that it, it might be easier than others. And there are times that it might be okay and we're good with it. We can handle it and it's an amazing time with God and one of those moments, God moments, and we're like, I'm good. But forgiveness is hard. Um, there's no easy way around it. We, if we're going to function as a, as a group of, of, of a unified body, let me say it that way. If we're going to function as a unified body, a group of believers that we call, that the Bible calls the local church, we are going to have to do those things that allow us to work together, that work effectively together, because we are in this together, right? That's the, the title of our series, In This Together. And if we're going to stay in this together, if we're going to function in this together, we're going to have to know what it is to forgive one another. We're going to have to make sure that we get along together and that will require, first of all, that we deal with our sin. We talked about that as we began this series. We looked at James 4 and how that where do the fightings and the struggles come? They come from within us. And we need to deal with that. And then a couple of weeks ago, we looked at uh, the way that we must then own that by admitting our sin, by confessing our sin to God and to all those that have been affected by our sin. Now, I got to show you this, uh, um, because after that Sunday, I had somebody give me this, and it's still on my desk at home, unopened, unopened, all right, hon, it's, I haven't eaten that candy, all right, all right. Um, but here it is, I still think I'm right, but I'm sorry, remember we talked about how do you how do you say you're sorry and mean it? And uh, yeah, that's a good one. I still think I'm right, but I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, well, that's not the way that works. And, and I don't know where you get those M&Ms, but they'd be a good one to, to buy and give out, right? Maybe there's a whole, whole slew of messages on them you can see. But we looked at Proverbs 28, 13. Not, not M&M packages, but Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13. But who, whoever conceals their sins covers them up, does not prosper. I mean, that's just the way it is. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. John talked about mercy. You, you want to know that mercy of God? We confess our sin. We don't conceal our sin. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And today we're going to talk about the other side of that dealing with sin coin. As we deal with sin, that coin has two sides. It has the confession side when we admit, when we acknowledge, when we own up to our sin. But it's got the forgiving side too. And that's what we need to talk about today. And that's what we're going to look at. And we're going to talk about that. And, and listen, forgiveness can be harder. Confession, acknowledging our own sin, that, that's tough at times. 
But forgiveness can sometimes be harder than that. Because we say, why should I forgive? Why me? I'm not the one who did the wrong. Why, why do I need to? Uh, you mean I just forgive and, and, and let them just walk away? Is, is that how this works? Uh, I mean, the hurt is just too deep. Each of us can come up with all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't forgive someone. It may be what they said was not even close to the truth. Uh, it may be, I didn't deserve to be treated like that. It, it might be, you have no idea what really happened or what they said to me. And hey, besides all of that, there's never been an apology. And as you've thought and prayed about those kinds of situations, maybe in a specific instance for you, you don't know how you could ever forgive them so you may be at that stage or maybe have been so where do we go how do what do we do how do we handle what do we understand well when we remember that as we said back in the beginning that sinful people tend to respond sinfully when sinned against that um, it's going to happen that being true, there's going to be plenty of opportunities, right, for us to have to forgive because we will be sinned against. That just happens. That's just part of life. And so what do we do? We learn to forgive. We learn to forgive. And thankfully, God's word is the Bible is full of direction on how. To forgive, not just the how to, but the fact that we should. So open your Bibles with me this morning. If you have your Bible or your phone or your tablet, whatever you're using, uh, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to take a look at that this morning, and, and uh, we're not going to get it all today. We'll uh, finish things up next week. There's so much there, and, and throughout Scripture on forgiveness. Um, but here we go, Colossians chapter 3, and uh, follow with me as I read, starting at verse 1. I'll have a couple of these verses up on the screen, but most of them not. So, so let, here we go. Verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ. Raised with, what does that mean? For all practical purposes, that means you know Jesus. That means you have experienced his forgiveness. That means you're saved. That means just like Jesus rose from the dead, when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we also are raised with Christ. That's what Paul's saying. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, these two and verses three and four, I'm, I'm sure, should be somewhat familiar to you, right? Anybody tell me why? Oh, you're, you're going to break somebody's heart. Scott preached on it, yeah, <laughs> about, about a month ago, right? He did, yes, remember that? So since we've been saved, since we've experienced the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness of God... 
Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. And then he goes, verse 3, for you died. We died with Christ. That's what Romans 6 talks about. That's what, what baptism pictures. We died with Christ. He says, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life? And when you know Jesus is Savior, when you've been raised with him, then you can say, yes, Christ is my life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, we're talking about when he comes back, the rapture, then you will also appear with him in glory. First John talks about that when we get glorified bodies, we'll see him as he is. And because of that, wow. I tell you what, the older I get, the more I appreciate that. Amen? Amen. Yeah, well, all of you who are older than me should have really yelled amen, right? <laughs> all right. And, and everybody else too. But, but yeah, there it is. The, Jesus is coming back. And we're going to go with him one day. Wow! New glorified bodies when we see him. That's, that's going to be an amazing day. Um, and, and as we probably feel more than we've ever felt before, right? Hope that's sooner than later, right? Because it is an any moment thing. All right, verse 5. Put to death, Paul says. Okay, now that we know you're saved, as a believer, as one who's been raised with Christ, verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, not the things on the earth, he says, those things, he, and here's that, that list of the things on the earth that he's talking about, or some of it, he says sexuality, or excuse me, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. I was reading through that, and, and, and think about that, greed, which is idolatry. It's like, how does that work? Well, when you want something somebody else has, and you want it so bad, you get full of greed and whatever else comes along. Why? Because you've set that up as a God for you, which is idolatry. That's, that's what Paul's saying. He says, verse 6, because of these, the wrath of God is coming, all right, on sin. That's just part of the sin that we know is true. Verse 7, you used to walk in these ways in the way, in the life you once lived. He's saying, before you were saved. Before you were raised with Christ, you used to live this way. That used to be your way of life. You were all caught up in the sins of this earth. You were all caught up in those things that he just listed in verse 5 and more because of our sin. That's how we were, he says. You used to live that way. You used to walk in those ways in the life you once lived. But now... You must also rid yourselves. What's the now? But now that you've been raised with Christ, now that you know Jesus, now that your sin has been forgiven, now that you are different, you're changed. Now, he says, you must also rid yourselves. And it's almost like the Colossian believers are going to be, what? There's more that we got to stop? Well, he goes on. All such things as these, anger, rage, that's how we started in James 4. 
talk to you about the book I recommended to you, Christians in the Age of Outrage, and, and how we have no business responding to culture with anger and rage. Oh, anger, it's sin, yes, but not anger and rage as we blow up, and nobody wants to be around that crazy fanatic, and all, that he, all he does is spout off about everything. Yeah, God's in his life, right? Anyway, that's what he said. Get over that anger and rage. Malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. People, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to those who've been raised with Christ. He says, do not lie to each other. And then he says, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the creator. Paul is saying, I know that you're, you're renewing your mind. Paul talks about that in Romans 12 too, right? We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. How does that happen? Right here, this book. This is the reprogramming tool. This is the booklet. This is the, uh, remember the old discs you used to have to plug into the computer to do all, well, now we don't, they're just all built in, but we reprogram our minds, and here's how that happens. The Word of God. And then he says, verse 11, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. He's talking to everybody. Listen, Colossae was a metropolitan city. All kinds of people there. The Jews and the non-Jews, Gentiles. And, and the barbarians, probably Persians, and, and Scythians and Greeks and all kinds of people, slaves and free, rich and poor, everybody saved and not saved, those who knew God and those who didn't, all these people. But he goes on and he's saying, but Christ is all and is in all, and he can make us all one. We're all one when we know Jesus. And then verse 12, therefore, He's listed all kinds of things we got to get rid of and stop doing as God's chosen people. You know what he's saying? That was back also at verse 1. As those who have been raised with Christ. Same thing here, verse 12, as God's chosen people. Now, just a little sidelight. I'm not going to go there this morning. You can dig into that. That's election. God's cho it's the word elect. God's elect people, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, holy, those who have been set apart to God as different. That's be ye holy, the Bible tells us. Why? Because he is holy. When we are set aside when we are God's chosen people when we've been raised with Christ we are holy we're made holy positionally and then we have to practically live that out holy and dearly loved wow isn't that cool God's love for us dearly loved man and then he says this clothe yourselves put on with compassion Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We could spend a long time talking about each of those words. Some of that is the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians. But there it is. 
Paul says, be compassionate, full of kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then, verse 13, bear with each other. Bear with each other. A simple way to say that, and I'll say it, but I want to qualify, is put up with each other. But that's more than just like I tolerate that. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes we say, I got to tolerate that. You don't really like it. You don't really want it. You don't want to have anything to do with it. But the idea is put up with, bear, but when we get down to verse 15, we'll see, but we do that with love. So it's not that just tolerating, just, eh, I don't like it, but okay. Bear with each other, and here we go. And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. It's almost like all those sins that he listed, if those were part in any way in the lives of the believers in Colossae, he says, all right, now, you put on these other things, compassion and humility and kindness and bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance, it's like, hey, somebody's going to lie to you as a believer. Somebody's going to slander you. Somebody's going to be angry with you. Somebody's going to show rage at you. We, if anyone has of you has a grievance against someone if you've been wrong that's why the grievance is you know how we know because he said you forgive them somebody did something to you and so you have a grievance against them somebody sinned against you so you have a grievance against them what's he say forgive one another forgive one another forgive as the lord forgave you verse 14 Uh, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, we're going to look at that next week, but love is the key to all of that. We've talked about that a couple weeks ago when we talked about beginning with this, the need in the body to exercise that love. So let's dig into this. So here's what I'm going to suggest to you. Here's what I want you to to get as you leave, as you take this home with you. It's this statement right here. Because we've been forgiven, we must forgive. I've said that earlier. It's not an option, folks. If we know Jesus, because we've been forgiven, we must forgive. That's what Paul's teaching. That's what Jesus taught. That's what our Bible says over and over and over again. That's what we must get. If we are in this together and are going to function effectively as God's body of believers here at Heritage, we must learn to forgive. Why? Because we've been forgiven. And it's not just a good idea. It's not just the thing to do. It's not just a good thing. It's not just, oh, if you do it to make your life better, it will. But if, if, you know, no, this is what God says to do. And we're going to see why that's true. So first of all, as we dig into this, what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Well, we said uh, the scripture shows us as we talked about it. And that's what we're talking in verse 13 of Colossians chapter 3. And, and he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance, bear with each other and forgive one another. Someone sinned against you, you need 
to forgive. The word forgiveness here is the idea, it's to give favor unconditionally. That's the word, the word forgiveness in this, in this place here has the word grace in it. Grace, you've heard grace, right? The Bible tells us it's by grace we're saved through faith. We are forgiven because of the grace of God. And so we are to exercise that grace, forgiveness, unconditionally. Grace is, I remember the old definition I learned back in junior camp years ago. I don't know if I was fifth or fourth or fifth or sixth grade, but I remember the teacher, he called the bank of grace. And, and he talked about unmerited favor. Right? Something we don't deserve, but God gives it to us anyway. And that's how we're to show forgiveness. Show grace to somebody unconditionally because they don't deserve it. That's what we're talking about. That's grace. But if, but if we understand, we also need to get what it is not. What it is not. And I'll come back to the what it is. But what it is not. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Sometimes people say, I don't feel like forgiving them. I get that, right? Because many times we don't. But it's not a feeling. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is an act of the will. It's a decision that you make despite your feelings. And, and, and that's where we've got to go with it. It doesn't matter. Many times we don't feel like obeying. And, and in where we're taught, we don't feel like forgiving somebody. All of those excuses that, that, I, that I shared and more that you may have or have used, we don't want to. We don't think they deserve it. They may not. They probably don't. But it's not about how we feel. It's what God says. It's not a feeling. Secondly, it's not forgetting. We, we sometimes think, well, I, if, if, I can, if I'm going to forgive him, I have to forget. And I can't forget. I could never forget. But it's not forgetting. Because forgetting is a passive process. Things that you forget, they just kind of fade away after a while, right? And, and, and all, all God's people who are older than me said amen, right? Jane and I struggled that. Do you remember? Uh, what was... Uh, I, well, those memories have whoop, just faded right away, right? And, and, and that's not what forgiveness is because we can't forget. I guarantee you, at just the right moment, the devil will remind you as to why we shouldn't forgive so-and-so because of what they did to us. But it's not about forgetting. You see, the Bible doesn't say when it's talking about God and how he forgives our sins. He says this, in fact... If you want to just write this down and you can take, check it out later on in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17, the writer of the book of Hebrews is quoting the Old Testament and he says this, he says, he's quoting what God says in the Old Testament that their sins and lawless acts or iniquities, he says, I will remember no more. You say, well, it just says he won't, he'll forget. No, it didn't say he'll forget them. He said, I will remember them no more. You see, remembering is a specific 
act of our mind, of our will. It is a choice that we make. We choose not to remember. He, that's what he says. You could... You, that's, that's the point, and, and, and it's, it's important. That's the difference. Because you could say, well, God is God. He could never forget. No, he doesn't. You're right. But he says, your sins, speaking about our sins and iniquity, I will remember no more. I will choose not to bring them up against you. And when we stand before God in heaven, we won't be judged for our sin. Why? Because our sins are forgiven. He remembers them no more. David said in Psalm 103 that he's removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Wow, how far is that? Well, they never meet. Right? Have you ever been at that point where east and west meets? No. If you find it, let me know. Because we'll make a lot of money together writing that book. Right? That's what he's talking about. One more thing. Forgiveness is not excusing. No, we, do, we don't just excuse and walk away and forget it. Because when you just simply, we talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. When we just say somebody comes up to you and, and they're seeking to, you're asking for your forgiveness and, and you, oh, that's okay. Don't, don't worry about it. it. It wasn't really a big deal. What you're implying when you say that is that what you, really did, what you did wasn't really wrong. And we, we, we ought not to excuse it. We ought not to just let off the hook. Now, it's not about getting our pound of flesh, so to speak, but the idea involved here when we, when we do that, listen, forgiveness says we both know that what you did was wrong and without excuse, but since God has forgiven me, I will forgive you. That's the gospel. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week, but it doesn't matter whether they ask you for it or not. We sometimes think, well, I don't have to forgive somebody if they don't ask me. No. That, that doesn't matter. Because forgiveness is about us, not the other person. You see, it's our heart, not theirs. Oh, they may have a problem with their heart, and that's why they sinned against us, and they may not even think that there's anything to forgive. We'll talk a little bit about that. And maybe you ask them forgiveness, and I don't know why you're asking me to forgive. I don't know why you're telling me that, that you've forgiven me. I didn't do anything that needs to be forgiven in the first place. Okay, now we, all right, we'll talk a little bit about that. But don't excuse, because forgiveness isn't about excusing. Forgiveness provides freedom from excuses and guilt, like God does for us. So what is it? Well, forgiveness is found there in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, to give favor unconditionally. That's the grace. Um, another verse that, um, I, I, let me share this with Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. I don't have it on the screen, but Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1, what a powerful chapter talks about our salvation and God's choosing us. And in chapter 1 and verse 7, he says this. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Redemption, what? Our debt has been paid, canceled. It's, it's a ransom 
That's been paid. Our, our redemption we're see, we see. In him we have redemption. We've been forgiven. We've been set free through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Listen, we can't talk about forgiveness without talking about the cross. Because that's where it all was made possible. The blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross paid our sin debt. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross that we know forgiveness. It, it, we've got to grab hold of that. And, and there the idea is to be released from a debt, especially the debt of sin. The debt of sin that will ultimately send us to hell if we do not receive the forgiveness of God. It's the only way. The only way that we make it to heaven. The only way that we see Jesus' life after we die, after life on this earth ends, is by faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He paid for our sin with his life, shedding his blood. And when we believe by faith in Christ alone, by faith alone, we are forgiven. Huh? Whew. So that's what it is. But why should we forgive? All right? That's what forgiveness is, but why should we forgive? Okay, fine. That sounds good. It's all nice and well. And psychologists will tell you, you know, you can be a bitter old man or a bitter old woman if you don't forgive. And all. yes, we know that. But it's more than that. Why we should give, it has nothing to do with your health, although it will affect it if you don't. What does it have to do with? Well, Look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13 again. And here it is. We saw this. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any have his grievance against someone. So if somebody has wronged you, you got a grievance, forgive them. Here's the why. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's why. I've said that a number of times already this morning. The reason we forgive is because we've been forgiven. I think one of the very first verses we taught our kids when they were little, Ephesians 4.32, right? <clears throat> Paul says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted and forgiving one another. How? Why? Even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. There it is again. That's it. Folks, that's the bottom line. That's the only reason in all the world that we're expected to forgive one another because we've been forgiven. Yeah, God says so. But we've been forgiven. I mean, there, there's, I was going to preach out of Matthew 18, which is the, the parable of the unmerciful, sometimes we say unjust, sir, unmerciful servant. The king forgave the one guy a debt of 
everybody said millions to billions to trillions. It depends on who, 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 who figures it out the way they figure it out. And then he's forgiven, totally forgiven. No, he, that guy could never have paid that debt back and the king forgave him. And then that guy who was forgiven goes out and he's got a debt of a few thousand dollars and won't forgive. And the idea is, how can you not forgive when you've been forgiven so much? There's nothing you or I will ever have to forgive that in any way, shape, or form would even come close to equaling what God has forgiven us. Nothing. Well, you don't know. I may I, pro I don't. You're right. I don't. But God does. Because we've been forgiven, we must forgive. That's what Scripture teaches. And, and just to make sure we get this, I mean, it's there. I, I, it, I'm going to just give you an application for that. And if you want to look at it, you probably know the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. What, what really is, it's, I believe it's, pro, it's called the Lord's Prayer because we pray it to the Lord. It's how we approach the Lord. But it's not the prayer or a prayer that the Lord Jesus ever would pray. It's a prayer that we're taught how to pray to the Lord. And in that prayer, right, we, I remember as a kid, we used to repeat it in school. Some of you are old enough to remember we did that, right? Not the Christian school, the public school. Our Father who art in heaven, right, hallowed be, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Give us this day our daily bread. And, and I have to look at my Bible because I'll get all confused between the NIV and the King James. And all, but, but here it is, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, now, there it is. The prayer that we are supposed to pray to God involves and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And I just used to rattle that off like many of you did when you did that or when you read it. And it's like, okay, yeah, I need to. I need the Lord to forgive me because I still sin even though I'm a believer. And, and I need to forgive other people too. And, and, and but then... This is so interesting because we get down through verse 13 or verse 4 and, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil and then that prayer is done and, and Jesus says this in verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Okay. If you forgive other people when they sin against you. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That, all right, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm good with that. But if you start thinking about that, a question ought to start to boil up in your mind. And that's what Jesus says in the next verse. And he says this, But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, what does that mean? Hey, I thought you said we couldn't lose our salvation. You mean if I don't forgive other people's sins, I, He won't forgive me, and if I'm not forgiven, then, then I'm not saved? Well, there are those who believe that what this means is that if if you're a real believer, if you're genuinely saved and know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that, 
you would not be an unforgiving person. A believer will forgive. A believer knows that and will forgive. But does anybody know a believer who hasn't forgiven somebody? So, hmm, what in the world? Well, what I believe, and, and, and there are others who take it, I, I believe that, remember, this is a verse that believers are praying. Not unbelievers, right? Those who know God. Those who have a forgiven relationship with Him. And I believe this is 1 John 1, 9. If we don't forgive, then we're out of fellowship with God. We're going to be miserable on this earth. Our sins, as it relates to our fellowship with God, won't be, we'll be living in those sins. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I look upon sin in my heart, God won't hear me. If I look upon sin in my heart and don't deal with it, God won't hear me. What's that mean? Unconfessed sin breaks fellowship. Our prayers will not get to him. You can pray till you're blue in the face, and if you've got unconfessed sin in your life, which may be at this point somebody that you're not willing to forgive, you may as well not waste your time praying. Because it won't work. So though our sins that would send us to hell are taken care of, that happened at the cross. 1 John 1, 9 says, but if we confess our sins, the sins that we still commit after we are saved, after we've experienced the forgiveness of God that forgives us will keep us out of hell, but the sins that we commit now that are paid for by the blood of Christ that will mess up our fellowship with our Father in heaven, you know what that's like to be out of sorts with somebody. You know that feeling. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. I talked about it, I remember, with my dad. And there were times that I knew I was wrong and he knew I was wrong and I wouldn't admit I was wrong. And, and, and until I did and got it right, there just was like, I didn't want to, I avoided my dad, right? You ever avoid somebody because your things just aren't right? Maybe you need to forgive them or they need to forgive you or whatever. And that feeling is like, yeah, I don't want to be near them. That's what we're talking about here. If you do not forgive others their sins, your, fa your father will not forgive your sins. You're going to walk around day after day after day in your sin out of fellowship with God. Oh, you're still a child of God. But the fellowship has been broken. That's the importance. Listen, out of all the things that Jesus tells us as believers that we were to pray, he pulls out forgiving one another at the end of that. Listen, there are all kinds of things he could reemphasize, but he did one thing. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. That's critical. And as we wrap it up this morning, I have two questions for you. You have two choices to make today in response to what you've heard. Choice number one. So what do you need to do? Well, have you been forgiven? Have you been forgiven? Ask yourself. And, and what I mean by that is, do you know Jesus? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin? 
Because until that happens, you're not forgiven and you're not right with God. He doesn't know you. You're not his child. The Bible says you're an enemy of God. Why? Because of your sin. Have you been forgiven? You can know Jesus today. You can experience his forgiveness when you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He died in your place for your sins. He died in my place for my sins. And years ago, I believed, I trusted Jesus Christ to save me, to forgive my sin. Because that's the only way that could happen. And he forgave me. Amen. Have you been forgiven? Are you here today, having believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, to forgive your sin? If you've been forgiven, how about this? Do you need to forgive somebody? Is there someone that you must forgive? Oh, you know. There's something, there's someone, and there's something between you, and you've, been, you've got that grievance in your heart against them that Paul talked about in Colossians that we just looked at, and you're not willing to forgive. Whatever the reason is, you don't feel like it. It's not right. It's not fair. Listen, folks, forgiveness and fairness are not synonyms. You know what's not fair? That Jesus died for me. That's not fair. I didn't deserve that. It's not fair that God forgave our sins. But he loved us so much that he did. Is there someone you need to forgive? I'm going to ask you just as we close to bow your heads. Talk to God. Close your eyes if that helps and focus and ask yourself, do you know, have you been forgiven? Do you know Jesus Christ? You can believe today right where you're seated. You can, God, I admit I'm a sinner, a dirty, filthy, rotten scoundrel, and I'm on my way to hell because there's nothing I can do to change that sin before you except believe what you did when you sent Jesus to this earth to be born as a man to go to the cross, to die, to give his life, to shed his blood, to pay my penalty, to take my place, and to forgive my sin. And Jesus, you rose again from the dead three days later to prove you would do what you said you would do. And you can do that today. But how about it, believer? Is there somebody that you need to forgive and you're just holding on, you're bitter, you're angry. You've got a rage even maybe in your heart. Somebody that you need to forgive. Listen, if you've been forgiven, you must forgive. And I'd encourage you as we end this time together to determine right here and now before God, not before me, not before any, before you and God, that you will make that right and forgive that person. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ.
Thank you for sending him to this earth to die in our place. Thank you that Jesus shed his blood to pay my debt and pay the debt of all who would believe. The sins of the world were told. God, for those of us who've been saved, oh God, who've experienced your forgiveness, help us. God, burden our hearts with that one that we've not been willing to forgive. Oh God, if there is that one, Lord, help us to make it right. Today. For the glory of God alone. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.